We're talking about praying by the rules. We started this series last week. I would encourage you to go back even to the last series. If you haven't taken the time to do it, we talked about for about six or seven weeks how to build an effective prayer life. And so you want to go back and get that foundation. This series, we're going to talk about the nine different types of prayer that were illustrated in the New Testament. So these are New Testament. This is, this is how to develop your prayer life for a New Testament believer. God wants you to know how to flow in your walk with him and communion with him. And prayer is a flow. Remember we said last week that we have the foundation of our prayer life we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And what else do we do? We pray in faith, right? It's impossible to receive anything from God apart from faith. All prayer is to be prayed in faith, even though not all prayer is the prayer of faith. That's just one of the nine. Actually, that's the one we're going to talk about tonight. So we said that there's a foundation of this, you know, and, and then in that foundation, we're now coming and we're going to see there's literally four categories of your prayer life that you'll flow in and out of these nine different prayers. The first category we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks, and it's the category that includes six of the different types of prayer. So tonight... We're going to talk about the prayer of faith, you know, and, and I'm sure I'll go more than one week on some of them, maybe less than one week on others. Uh, we'll just see how that works. I'm not going to get in a hurry. But then you've got the prayer of agreement, and then we, you go on with that. You have the prayer of praise and worship. You have united prayer. You have a prayer of commitment and then and dedication to the Lord, or and, I'm sorry, a prayer of commitment. And then the sixth one, you have a prayer of consecration and dedication to God. That's where Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, Father, if there's any way you could take this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will, right? So that's one of the nine. So we're gonna, we're gonna start with the prayer of faith. We're probably, I know we're gonna go to the prayer of agreement next. After that, I'm not sure about the other order for those four, but we'll find out. You'll know when you're here. Praise God. And you want to outline this because I got to tell you, you got to get ready. The Lord said that we're to go and make disciples. And so get ready. This is Bible school. This is where God wants you to learn how to bring heaven into your world, to bring heaven down by communicating with your Father praying by the rules, praying effectively, seeing things happen so that now you can go out and make disciples. You'll be sitting at Starbucks, at Village Inn, and all these places going over your notes, teaching new believers how to pray. And it's wonderful. There is nothing like spending time in prayer. So we're going to deal with that first category. Then we're going to jump over and we're going to deal with another, the other of the four categories, and that's the whole category of praying in tongues or praying with tongues. Uh, and there's a public side and a private side to that. We'll go into all that. And then we're going to talk about intercession. That's the third category. And then supplication, which is the fourth category. And so we'll cover in those four categories all nine different types of prayer. 
Seven of those nine prayers have different rules that govern them, different principles, different spiritual laws that govern them. And so here's the thing. We'll actually turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and we'll launch off on this. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 is a foundational scripture for this. We've talked about it a lot and uh, we've dissected this scripture, but this scripture is literally a great overview scripture of your prayer life. It says, it starts out by saying, praying always. Moffat's translation starts this verse by saying, praying at all times. So we are to be communing with God at all times. Our prayer life is it's to be a prominent part of our life. With all prayer. Now the Amplified translation brings out the Greek meaning and it says all manner of prayer and supplication in the spirit. Weymouth's, Weymouth's translation brings out the Greek where it says, instead of in the Spirit, it says stirred by the Spirit. So we see that we're to pray all kinds of prayer, or we're to pray always all manner of prayer as we are stirred by the Holy Ghost. He is the orchestrator of our prayer life, not us. Isn't that? I mean, I love Romans where it says, our weakness as Christians, it lists it. Here it is. We don't know how to pray as we ought. Right? And so the Holy Spirit, though, knows exactly how you are to pray for your life, how you're to pray for other, li other people's lives, how you're to pray for people maybe all over the world. Who knows? Right? When you get to heaven, you're going to run into people. You're, just, you're not going to have to, you'll know their name because we're one. And, and all of a sudden, you'll see this person and go, wow, you prayed for me. And they might have lived in another country, spoke another language, and they were praying with tongues one night for you. You know, I mean, prayer is so important. So in Ephesians, Ephesians was a circulatory letter. It was to be writ, read and transferred all over. Ephesians was actually written to us today. So this Scripture is literally what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. Pray always with all the different types of prayer as you are stirred by the Holy Ghost. And it says, and supplication, and watching thereunto with all perseverance. This word perseverance, as we said before, watching thereunto with all persistency. Right? and supplication for all saints. In the literal Greek, that this verse would end, and it would read like this, and be ready to use supplication for all saints. And we'll get into that because the prayer of supplication is a prayer that we pray for ourselves as believers and for others to help them lay hold of the plan of God for their life. How many of you know we need each other, right? We need each other. So, let's go. People in the Old Covenant, how, this is how they lived, okay? They lived under the shadow of something that was to come that was better. They lived under the shadow of the things to come. Everything in the Old Testament was screaming Jesus. 
But now as New Testament believers, we live under the light of the, redemption, of the redemptive work of Christ. He's already provided everything for you. Satan is completely defeated and now we've been given authority on the earth in the name of Jesus, delegated authority from heaven. And now, so that changes everything in prayer for us as a believer. In the Old Testament, they, if, if the people on the earth, because there was a covenant with God, if they would obey God, then God would do things for them. He would, he would take care of them, he'd protect them, he'd bless them, he'd be able to heal their bodies, all this stuff. In the New Testament, God never changed, but the progression changed. Now, it's not, if I obey, then God will do something. Now, it's the moment I got born again, I received all things that pertain to life and godliness. Right? I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. So I've been given everything that pertains to my life, both physically and naturally, already. Psalm 23 says, He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Well, it's here on the earth, so I have enemies. Satan, as a roaring lion, he walks about seeking whom he may devour. He can't devour anybody, just anybody. He can only devour those that allow him to. He can't devour you as a believer. You have to allow him to. Well, praise God, I'm part of that group where we're not going to allow him to anymore, right? So now I have authority, and now, in other words, Jesus already all my sin was condemned in the body of Jesus. He literally bore my sickness, carried my pain. That's, that's Matthew 8, 17. By his stripes I was healed, 1 Peter 2, 24. We have Galatians 3, 13. He redeemed me from the curse of the law. When? 2,000 years ago. So now, on the earth as a child of God, now this is the progression. Now I am the healed and therefore, sickness has to bow to the name of Jesus, and it has no legal right to stay, and now it's got to leave. Poverty has to leave. I've been redeemed from the curse of poverty and lack. So now, if it's in my life, I have a legal right. I could use the name of Jesus to get it out of my life. Why? Because of us being something? No, no, no. It's not about us at all. It's all about Jesus. Right? Don't make it about you. It's all about him. The progression before is if they would obey, then God would do something. God doesn't have to do anything now. Now he's done it all. So now when you stand as a believer and you believe his word and you speak his word, as you allow, as you abide in him and his word abides in you, you will ask whatever you will and he will do it for you. Isn't that good news? So this is the progression now. Prayer is different now. So now let's jump over to John chapter 15 and verse 7. This is a foundational piece of the prayer of faith. It's also a foundational scripture for all prayer. But this, we, we really need to dissect this again. Notice it starts with this. If. Darn it. It didn't say since you abide in me. It says if. So why does it say that? So 
the definition of being in Christ is what? The Holy Spirit lives in you. So when you got saved, the Holy Spirit came and started living in me, and he will be there how long? Forever, right? So now I'm a child of God, I'm born again, but it says, if you abide in me. So this word abide means to make, make God your continual dwelling place. Okay? So if you will live in me, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, dwell in you continually. See, this is the key. If you dwell in me continually and my words dwell in you continually, you will ask whatever you will. And remember, this word ask doesn't mean, oh, Father, will you please do this for me? No, it's, it's the Greek word aito. I'm probably not saying that right. It's A-I-T-O. It literally means you will call for, you'll make a demand for, and you'll require whatever you will. Why whatever you will? Well, because if his word is abiding in you, and you're abiding in him, guess what? Your will will just literally be a reflection of his will, right? Because when his word continually abides in you, guess what happens? You'll never be talking to him. You're not going to be praying for things that are outside the realm of the will of God. Prayer doesn't work when you do that, right? So it says here, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall, not might, it shall be done unto you. So there's two qualifications that are listed in this verse. Number one, if you dwell continually in me. This is the first qualification. You have to live in him. Acts 17, 28 says this, it is in him that I live and I move and I have my being. That means all of my behavior is flowing out of me living in him. Does that make sense? And then the second, it, well, in, in other words, let me just break this down. That means habitual sin is going to affect your prayer life. Why? You're still born again, but you're not dwelling continually in him. Do you see what I'm saying? So, so but here's the cool thing. He's broken the power of sin off your life. Now, for a Christian to walk free from sin, because they already are free, it's a decision. And here's the thing. He's not expecting you to be strong in yourself. He wants you to be strong in him. Continually strengthened in him. Most Christians are going off because they're choosing to live in a wrong environment, be around wrong people, right? And they're, all of a sudden, they're doing those things that the people around them are doing. And so if you will, I mean, this is why, I'm, and I'm speaking to the crowd, obviously you're hungry, right? Church, when, when I was growing up, 
after I came into this whole thing when I was 18 years old or just, just about to turn 18, it was always Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You know, it was all, now it's, it's Sunday morning. And Wednesday night, people are just out of control crazy for Jesus. Right, right. You know, and it, it's so funny. Well, I, I got to tell you, we, we, we have a foundation in the local church where we're planted, right? And then we surround ourselves, our close core of people around us are people of like faith. We, we need that because we're, we're going to spend a lot of time in the world being light, witnessing the people coming in and out of their lives. But the people that you're drawing from need to be close to you. I'll guarantee you this year, and it's, gonna, it's really going to be hammering right now, because Satan's going to want to start you onto a pattern. Hey, this changed in my life. Now I'm, I'm going to kind of give this up and do this. And, and I'll try to get you maybe not to get in the Word as much, not to get you in church as much, not to get you hearing the right things, maybe hearing a little more of the wrong things. Why? Because it dulls you. Because this scripture never goes away. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Now this is like a perpetual motion scripture. How do you make sure you continually abide in him, live in him? You have his word continually living in you, which will cause you to continually live in him, which will cause you to continually abide in his word and have his word abiding in you and then you'll abide in him and his word will abide in you and then you'll and pretty soon that's how your faith mobile walks works right it's 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 literally an upward spiral in your life and that spiral is your focus is now on jesus your position where the holy spirit can speak to you and lead you and guide you into all the truth He'll orchestrate your prayer life. He'll keep you ahead of anything the enemy's doing. He'll make you a, the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. I mean, he, all of a sudden, you're going to start walking free physically, financially, emotionally, in every way. That's what happens because he's life. So the two qualifications, you must abide in him. Number two, his word must abide in you. We must get God's word down on the inside of us, in our spirit, man. The only way to do that is through meditation in the word of God. That's how you do that. You mutter the word over and over and over. As you peer into the word of God, what happens, you meditate in it. You speak it constantly, and that's how you get it in your heart and when the word is in abundance in your heart, it'll cause you to speak the word constant, constantly. So in other words, you have another perpetual thing going. I'm always putting the word in, I'm always speaking God's word to put it in my heart, and I'm always speaking God's word because it's in my heart, which will cause me to put his word in my heart, which will cause me to speak his word, which will cause me to put his word in my heart. It's a flow, it's not mechanical. So how do you walk in all of it? It's real simple. You put him first. That, that's, that's everything. And now that's simple. That's not easy in our environment because there's all these distractions in the world, right? So now 
How, see, it's not enough. Now, I hope all of you are reading your chapter every day. We're going through the New Testament as a church. But it's not enough just to read a chapter. You have to meditate in it. So when you're reading your chapter, if a scripture jumps off the page at you, write that down, put it in your phone, and walk around speaking that all day. Meditate in it. It's not enough just to read the word. You want to renew your mind to the word. So what happens is as you're meditating in the word of God, the Holy Spirit will bring light to you. That's Psalm 119, verse 130. The entrance of thy words brings light. It gives understanding to the simple. Well, what happens, the Holy Spirit, when revelation comes, it's simply that the Holy Spirit is opening the word of God to you, and now light comes out. And that light from the word of God will light your spirit man and that's Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. God will lead you by your spirit, which is lit by the word of God. And it's lit by the word of God. Well, who lit it? Literally, the Holy Spirit opened it up to you. So this is how we walk. Okay, does that make sense? This is how this works. We have to renew our minds to the Word of God. Now, what this scripture shows me, if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you will and it'll be done. This shows me that my prayer life, answered prayer, depends mostly on me. The determining factor on your prayer life is not God. We always put off on God what he's put off on us. He's already given you everything. He's watching over his word to perform it in your life. The determining factor is, are you going to abide in me? And are you going to allow my words to abide in you? That's the determining factor. We just can't leave up to God what he's left up to us. So in other words, when you look at this scripture, an effective prayer life is based and founded upon God's word. You can't be in faith unless you know what the will of God is. And God's word is his will. Does that make sense? So this is very important. What we're doing right now is laying a foundation for the prayer of faith. So foundational. See, if the entrance of God's word brings light, go ahead and put that up on the screen. Psalm 119 verse 130. If the entrance of his word brings light and gives understanding to the simple, this is what's happening to most people. Most people are praying in the dark. Right? Pastor Mark, can you hit the light switch back there? This is what a lot of Christians' prayer life is like. Well, can you hit the other one too? I wish we could shut everything off. But this is really lit compared to most Christians. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. That's even better. <laughs> so in this realm, you just never know what God's going to do. So I should start listing things for you note takers. You'd have a lot of trouble right now, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, no, yeah, everybody's got their phone. Darn it. But it, wouldn't this be horrible to live like this? People watching live stream are going, what's going on? Did they pay their electric bill? Okay, you could flip that back on. Many are praying in the dark. God wants you to live in the light. Everything's easier in the light, right? Have you ever went to a restaurant? And man, you know, you're going out with your wife, you have this romantic dinner, and there's this, this atmosphere. And, you know, all of a sudden you got to pull your phone out because you can't see the menu because it's so dark in there, right? It's so much easier in the light, isn't it? We meditate in God's word. Here's now, here's, if you don't get anything else tonight, we meditate in God's word until light comes and then you pray. This is a real key. Brother Hagen would talk about this a lot. He would talk about how that man sometimes he would meditate in the word sometimes for days before he ever went to prayer because he needed the Holy Spirit to open the word of God. So God's words can carry his thoughts, right? So God, a, a word is, a, like you've heard me say this, words are containers, they carry things. God's word is like a container that carries, it carries life and medicine and health. It's full of life and power. So down on the inside, as you meditate in the word, the Holy Spirit opens it and light comes out. When light comes, now you can pray the prayer of faith. A lot of Christians get in trouble or have something jump up in their life and instantly they want to pray about it. No, no. Remember, we walk out what he's working in. So we don't get stressed about anything because we already have the victory. I'm already a success in life. I'm not trying to be one. So all the failure in my life has to bow now to who I am in Christ. All the past mistakes, everything has to bow because it's all been taken care of by Jesus. Now there's nothing in my life that can produce death. And so now I can just relax. You might feel like you're losing, but you've already won. So relax. Right? Would you ever get stressed? I mean, could you imagine, would you ever get stressed? If you already knew you won, you'd never get stressed. Well, I got news for you tonight. According to the Bible, which cannot lie, it's forever settled in heaven. You've already won. That's the basis. It's not if God's going to answer me. No, no. We already know he answers, and we already know the answer. It's yes, right? So let's keep going. John 15 now, that's a wonderful scripture, verse 7, but now let's go to verse 8, John 15, 8. And what we're going to see here is fruit. It says, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. So get the context of this. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein 
Herein what? When you're abiding in him, his words are abiding in you, and you're asking whatever you will, and it's done unto you. Herein, look at this, is my father glorified. Wow. Isn't this a cool thing? Glory. Lord, we just glorify your name. You know what's wonderful about that? When I, Lord, I give you glory. Do you, do you know that you couldn't give God glory unless he gave you his grace? And when you walk in the finished work of Jesus, Teresa, if grace was a tree, what would, glory is a fruit. So when, when the grace of God, when you walk in it, how do I walk in it? I have symptoms in my body. I have something going, in my li- going on in my life, financial problem, whatever, emotional things, whatever it is. But I see in the word of God that God has already made me free from this and provided, and I know his will. Now, when I believe that I receive that in my life, and I speak it out of my life, and I act on it, what comes out of my life is glory. And, and it doesn't magnify you, it magnifies him. So this is, it says, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Well, what kind of fruit is this? It's prayer fruit. It's prayer fruit. Because this is talking about prayer. And then he says, so shall you be my disciples. Isn't that good news? So let's go over to James chapter 1 and verse 5. Let's keep talking about this. Remember, we're talking about the prayer of faith. This is a foundation. So look at James chapter 1, verse 5. It says this, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Well, who's God? I'm glad you asked. God is a God that gives to all men liberally. In other words, when you ask him for something, he gives you more than you asked him for. Why? He's not the God of just enough. He's the God of more than enough. He doesn't, according to Psalm 23, my cup runneth over. Listen, God's not stupid. He knows your cup's running over. Right? He wants your cup to run over because we are here, not for us. We are here. He wants you to be full in every way, but he wants you overflowing so that you affect everybody around you. Okay? So herein is, or I'm sorry, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. God's a God that gives to all men liberally, and I love this one, and he upbraids not. That, that phrase in the Greek means God does not get down on you for the mess that you've created. Now, if any of you have ever made any messes in your life, that's a great scripture. And when you think about your life, has God ever got down on you for a mess? Ever once? Never. Now, who's gotten down on you? Well, let's, let's do number one. Who's number one? You. You and I. We get down on ourselves, don't we? As a matter of fact, we do that better than anybody else. And, and how, how come we do that? Because there's an accuser out there that's dropping thoughts, accusing you. You ever... I grew up feeling like I was worthless, and whenever that was exposed in my life, all of a sudden, it was like in a moment of time, God played a recorder down in my spirit of everything about worthlessness. 
And do you know what I didn't hear ever? I never heard, I'm worthless. I always heard, you're worthless. I always thought I was telling myself I was worthless. But if I was doing that, I would have said, Tony, I'm worthless. I'd walk around going, I'm just so worthless. I'd, I'd mess up, I'm worthless. Nope, that's not the way it was. I'm walking around going, you're worthless. Tony, you're worthless. Tony, you're worthless. Why am I saying, Tony, you're worthless? Because Satan is throwing thoughts in my mind going, Tony, you're worthless. It's like a Star Wars Jedi thing. It's exactly the way it works. Right? And we're sheep. And we don't want to be Shrek. Right? Remember if you were here Sunday? Wow, that was crazy looking. So this is amazing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. God will give you more than you need, and he won't get down on you for the mess you've created. Well, why does he say that? Because the wisdom in this whole context, it's wisdom to tell you what to do. So when, when you get in trouble, whether it's an attack of the enemy, has nothing to do with you, or whether you just were stupid and messed up, wisdom will be there to help you. And God knows, he's not going to be there to slap you. He's going to be there to go, here's wisdom, let's go. Right? So it says here, and it shall be given him. But then, now look at this. See, let me say this. In the midst of, when you're in trouble, you need wisdom. Wisdom flows from the word of God. The Holy Spirit will bring wisdom out of the word to tell you how to get out of trouble every time. Every time. Why? Because he loves you. So, so this is big, but let's keep going with this. James 1.6. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Now think about that. You don't want to be like a wave that's completely being moved by something else other than you. Unless it's God. Right? But you don't want to be, you don't want to waver. So when you look at the word of God, like this whole thing, well, God blesses some and not others. He heals some and not others. That, notice, no pastor, no theologian will ever quote scripture because there isn't any like that. But what does it do? It puts you at a passive position against the enemy. You, if, if you think God would heal everybody on the planet but one person, nobody could have faith for healing. Because how do you know you're not the one? Right? So now you, you're, you're like a wave. You're being driven. You can't be in faith. So he's saying, listen, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. But then he goes in verse 6, but let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Right? For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. This word waver is the Greek word diakrino. It means to differ or contend with. It means to oppose. Here's the big one for us. Because we hear a lot of truth all the time. But we will contend with it. 
while you're in these walls, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Two o'clock in the morning, when the symptoms are getting worse, right? Am I going to sit here and go, well, maybe you just don't ever want to start contending? No, there's no maybe. He's your healer. He's your provider. It's, it, it's, we're, we're solid. So this is why when you pray the prayer of faith, you have to meditate on those scriptures that promise you that God's already given you what you're asking him for. And then when light comes out of those scriptures and you now, now, cause see when light comes out, guess what happens? That's when you hear God's word. It's not just listening to it. It's when you hear his voice down on the inside of you, faith is there. And now, that's when you pray the prayer of faith. And you lay hold, you believe you receive. You seize hold of something that you can't perceive with your senses, but you know you have it, even though you can't see it. That's what we're talking about. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Verse 7, for let not that man, what man? The man without faith. The man that is differing with opposing or contending with the word of God. Think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Notice it says receive. It doesn't say, for let not that man think that God will give him something. No, God's already given. It's not a matter of him giving. It's a matter of you and I receiving now. But we can't lay hold of anything without faith. So we've got to get rid of the wavering. So it's real interesting. Verse 5 through verse 7 go from specifically asking for wisdom to generally asking for anything of the Lord. So this, these three verses are all-encompassing. To receive anything that God has already given us by His grace, it will take His faith which only comes by hearing his word, right? To know what the prayer of faith is, you have to know what faith is. Faith is the avenue by which we receive everything from the Lord, starting with salvation to everything, right? In order to ask in faith, you're going to have to be single minded does that make sense not differing not opposing part of that greek word means you're trying to stand in two places at the same time you're trying to go in two different directions at the same time it's a horrible inner turmoil word in order to ask in faith you have to be single-minded what does that mean you have to be fixed you have to be established. You have to be immovable on what? On what you believe. You have to. And see, here's the thing. When revelation comes of his word in your heart, that's what makes you... Don't, don't, don't try to be fixed and immovable in yourself. No, no, no. This is not a fake it till you make it thing. You can't fake it. You can't fake faith. Does that make sense? You can't fake it. And, and you don't have to. It, it's the faith of God. You meditate in the word, that, that 
word will open to you. The Holy Spirit will bring revelation and faith is there. And you'll become fully persuaded. Most believers, their prayer of faith is almost, in our circles, is almost non-existent because we're not taking the time to meditate in scriptures so that we get fixed and immovable in a revelation of it before we lay claim to something. Does that make sense? It's, it's not because we need to know more about the operation of faith. Nope. Woman with the issue of blood didn't even have scripture. Right? I mean, all, all she did was she heard of Jesus. She heard of Jesus. How did she hear? For she said continually within herself what she heard. People were touching the hem of his garment and getting whole. So I'm going to touch the hem of his garden and I, garment and I'll be whole. Over and over and over. It got so big in her, she didn't care about going in public. She didn't care about going up to Jesus where the, the leader of the synagogue who pronounced her unclean and could have her stoned was right there. No longer mattered. She's going for it. Right? When you are single-minded... Your prayers will work more from yourself to others and to the kingdom. In other words, the more single-minded you become, the more your prayers will be others and kingdom-focused because you will know that all of your needs are met. And when you're in that secret place with him, He's working everything out in your life on the outside. When you're just seeking him and you're seeking first his kingdom and you're all about knowing him and ministering to others, all of a sudden things start changing in your life. It's really wonderful. I mean, because you're praying for yourself, it's such a small percentage. I mean, how long would it take you to pray for every need in your life? 15, 20 minutes? And if you pray in faith, it's done. All it's left to do now is to thank him. You should learn this phrase for your healing. According to your word, Father, I thank you that I'm healed. Walk around all day. According to your word, I thank you that I'm healed. For it is written, and then whatever scriptures are there, we have so many. According to your word, I'm healed of depression right? According to your word, I'm free from fear. According to your word, I'm increasing financially. And you just, for it is written. I wonder what would happen to a person that just would not move from that place. And see, you won't move. Because see, we've never, we've never met somebody that got in faith and stayed in faith and did not see in their life their answer. When you see people that don't lay hold, don't get down on them. We've all not laid hold of things. This is why we teach this, so that we can lay hold. Right? Faith begins where the will of God is known. And the revealed word of God is his will. If you can't find it in the word, then it's not yours. But if you find it in the word... You just didn't find something God will do for you. You found something that God did do for you already. Faith 
is not a feeling. Faith is a firm persuasion that only comes by hearing God's word. It's a firm persuasion. When you spend time with the Lord, you feel uplifted. You feel like he hears you. This builds confidence in him, which is commonly mistaken for faith. People will spend a few minutes with the Lord, and man, they just feel so good because he's life. And they just feel so good that they mistake that for faith. Man, I just, I just, this worship song, it just, I just feel so good. I'm in this, I come to church and I, I mean, isn't the presence of God in every one of our services, it's wonderful. But don't mistake that for faith because when the service is over, when the song is over, when all the outside stuff is no longer feeling, now you're, you're like, okay, what happened? Does God not hear me anymore? Good feeling gone? Listen, you will lay hold of some of the biggest things you'll ever lay hold of with feeling nothing. Nothing but an incredible, firm persuasion that's an anchor on the inside of you that all hell's breaking loose on the outside and I'm still in joy and peace and I'm still being comforted because I know that I have what I've asked him for. Not going to get it, I know I have it. And I'm just so thankful that I have it. That I'm not waiting for my body to change. I'm just so thankful because I have it. I know I'm healed. I know the body will change. I know I have the finances necessary. The money's coming in. This is going to work out. I'm firmly persuaded. What is my proof? My proof is his word. And it's dripping with how much he loves me. That's how you get ready to pray the prayer of faith. When this feeling passes and we feel like he didn't hear us, that becomes a roller coaster that you don't ever have to ride. See, here's the thing. Faith is not a feeling, but it'll produce them. And it's wonderful. Right? A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. We're to never worry about anything but pray about everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving because we already have the answer. So let's look at James chapter 5 and verse 13 now. You guys doing okay? All right. James 5, 13 it says, is any among you afflicted? This means, this Greek word means, is, is there anybody among you going through a test, a trial, or going through pressure? It says, let him pray. So now, I, I'm really building a case for the prayer of faith. Are you going through any test? Is there a trial in your life? Are you experiencing pressure? Let him pray. It doesn't say run and get 25 people to pray. It says let you pray. The word of God is telling us to pray. Others can stand with you, but this is telling me no one else is going to pray me out of trouble. 
but I can pray myself out of trouble. Right? You care more about yourself than anybody else. See, because a lot of friends, okay, don't, nobody lift your hand, just, just, you could just shake your head in disgust and everybody will think you do this right all the time. But have you ever said, oh, I'll pray for you? And you didn't. And, 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 and we could maybe, if you ever wanted to testify, we could have a guilt and condemnation service. I mean, right? Person's dying of cancer and I didn't pray for them. Person's going through traumatic things and I just forgot. But will you forget if you're going through something? No. James, the pastor, is saying, hey, if you're having trouble, pray. You pray. In other words, you pray more effectively for yourself. Now, as you walk with people, you will build friendships, and you'll be able to call some people up, and man, they'll pray for you. And that's great. Or they'll stand with you. But don't expect people to pray you out of trouble. Because you got to get in faith. Verse 14, it says here, is any sick among you? And this, P.C. Nelson says that this Greek word sick means so sick you are unable to lay hold of your healing by yourself. It even denotes it could be a comatose state, really, really bad state. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray. This word pray literally means let them declare over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So this whole, is any sick among you, that phrase in the Greek, literally insinuates in the Greek that there's, there's not hardly any of these people. But this could be a situation from time to time. It says, though, and the oil that you've anointed with them with will save the sick. Does your translation say that? If it does, you need to get a new Bible. It says in the prayer of faith will save, or literally the Greek word means heal the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he commits sins, or if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven. Notice the prayer of faith heals the sick, not the anointing of oil by the elders. It's the prayer of faith, the declaration of faith. So we'll start to see that the prayer of faith is designed, it's given to us, to change things in our life and to change circumstances. This is one case where in James he's saying you make a declaration of faith over another person who can't stand for themselves. That's, a, that's a, literally a very unique situation, but now the prayer of faith for us as Christians in every other case is we're praying it to change things and circumstances in our own life, okay? Realizing, right, spiritual things change physical things. The prayer of faith always receives from God. 1 John 5.14, we've went over this scripture. 1 John 5.14, and this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, right? And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've, it says desired. In the Greek, it literally means that we've required of him. When we put God in remembrance of his word, he hears us. And always remember this, when you pray in faith, you enter into his rest. 
If you're not entering into his rest, you're not praying in faith. Because when you pray in faith, when you meditate in scriptures and the light comes and you know that you know that you know that you have, that you've already received, he's already given it to you, and now you know it's his will that you have it, so you reach in by your faith and you claim that according to the word of God, man, you're at rest. You're not trying to figure anything out. You just know you have it. So let's keep going with this. The prayer of faith evidences things not seen. Now jump over to Matthew 21. I just want to kind of, I want to go about six more minutes. Can, is there anybody that could give me a minute? One, one, two. Okay, we got, we got six. Okay, good. All right. So Matthew 21, 21 is Matthew's account of Mark chapter 11. Look at what it says here. It says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say unto this mountain, Be removed, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things... So verse 22 would be exactly like Mark eleven twenty four, And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Okay? So now let's go over to Mark eleven twenty four. Mark eleven twenty four. Mark eleven twenty four says this. Now this is, this is the prayer of faith. This is faith to receive something. He says, therefore I say unto you, what things, this is talking about natural things, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So it's talking about two different points in time. What things soever you desire when you pray, Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Didn't give a time limit. The time that you believe that you receive until the time that you actually see it in your life is the fight of faith. It's not against Satan. It's to stay at rest. How do you stay at rest? You keep hearing God's word. And it'll keep you at rest. This is a prayer that you pray for yourself. This prayer applies to a person's own life, your own situations, your own circumstances, and your own desires. But we need to realize this. What things soever you desire, your desire must line up with God's word. Because remember, if you're desiring something that's not God's word, it's not from him right? That you have no basis for faith. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. As you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. See, this is how the Holy Spirit will orchestrate you to pray the prayer of faith. You'll be just going down, you'll be walking through life, and all of a sudden, there will be a desire come up because you're delighting in the Lord, and you'll know you'll desire something. And that's what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. 
when I had a college and career ministry, I had a lot of young uh, male, male and female, uh, wonderful men and women of God that they believed they received their spouse. And they got loneliness out of their life and they got all this stuff out of their life. And it was amazing what we saw happen. All of a sudden, the focus was no longer, let me make a list on what I want in a wife or what I want in a husband. It became, Lord, okay, I believe I received my wife. Now I need to get ready for her. So what do I need to do? Brush your teeth. <laughs> get a job. Right? Dress. Get some of these girls in the college and career group teach you how to dress. Right? Whatever. Whatever it is, the Holy Spirit will help you. Same thing with the women. So all this, you believe you receive. It's the way it works in everything. Smith Wigglesworth said this. I love this statement. He said, desire towards God and you will have desires from God. I like the way he said that. Hallelujah. Jesus is saying that you can have what you desire if you pray according to his word and you believe that you receive when you pray. Right? When you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. In other words, what comes first? You have to believe that you receive before you'll have. You'll have it after you believe you receive, right? We want to see it and then we'll believe it. And you see people because they're facing something physically and all of a sudden they'll get a little better and you could see it on their face. Oh my gosh, I've got it. No, 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 no. No, having it never will come before believing you've received it. As a matter of fact, when you actually have it, it should be absolutely no surprise to you at all because you've already believed you've received it. Have you ever received something on the inside? Let me just ask you, how many of you are fairly confident, over-the-top confident, that if, if your spirit was to slip out of your body right now, that you'd be with Jesus? Totally confident. Is there any question about that? Well, what proof do you have? Have you ever been to heaven? But no, is, isn't Jesus more real? So feed on healing or provision the way you feed on salvation. And what I mean by salvation, eternal life. Right? You must believe first before you have. Now, here's a big one, and I want to close with this. To believe more, you must know more. Okay? To believe more, you got to know more. 1 John 2.27 is a great scripture. 1 John 2.27 says this, But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you. So every one of, this anointing is abiding in every one of you right now. And you need not that any man teach you, don't get up and leave. Actually, you can't leave because I'm not teaching you, right? Isn't the Holy Spirit teaching all of us, right? 
It says here, but as the same anointing, anointing teaches you of all things, what, what is that anointing on the inside of you going to teach you? All things. Does that mean, is there anything left out? No. So does that mean, could you actually say, for the rest of my life, I will have all the answers in my life? Absolutely can. Absolutely can. Teaches you of all things and is truth. This anointing is truth. Wow. And is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. So this teaching anointing even helps me to abide in him so that his words will abide in me. In other words, there's a teaching anointing in me right now. You have a teaching anointing in you right now. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. So what does this mean? It means that he's going to show you what to do. He's going to tell you where to go. He's going to orchestrate your whole prayer life to the point to where now, as I'm going through my life with my eyes fixed on Jesus, I'm meditating in his word. What am I meditating in? Whatever he leads me. Right? So I'm meditating in his word. All of a sudden, there will be a desire there for something. And now I get God's word on it and I meditate in God's word. And all of a sudden, light starts coming off. And I know I'm fully persuaded that it's his will, that it's absolutely mine. And then I pray the prayer of faith. What things soever I desire, when I pray, I believe that I receive it and I will have it. That's the prayer of faith. Isn't that good? So we'll give you something to think about. It seems so simple. But to get it, you got to meditate in it. that with the same power that you rose Jesus from the dead with, the Holy Spirit is inside me and he's quickening my mortal body. He's healing me. He's restoring my body to health. Every time, just every time. It's not, oh Lord, I hope this works out. No, it's I'm convinced. The word will keep you strong. Ask God once and in further prayer, you just simply remind him of his word. You thank him for what he's done for you because you've already believed you've received it. I love this. I think I got this from Brother Hagen. Thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words leads the heart out of defeat and into victory. Right? So five things that you got to know, these five steps, you got to know that it's God's will for what you're praying for, right? You have to know that he hears you when you pray. You have to know that he immediately answers you, right? You have to know that when you ask God, you believe that you receive what you've desired when you pray. And then the fifth thing is you gotta speak as a result of what you believe. So these are the different types of prayer, how it kind of works. Next week, we're going to talk about the prayer of faith. So we're going to get into the first of the nine. 
Some of them I might be able to do more than one at one time. But I got to tell you, when I get to intercession and supplication, we might spend a little time on those because I want you to have a very clear understanding. God, God wants you to lay hold of everything that he has for you this year. Don't let another year go by. God doesn't want you downtrodden. He doesn't want you having another year. And, you're, and if, when you blink, it's going to be December. It goes that fast. So make this a lifestyle. God is irresistible. He'll help you. Amen?